You're listening to Tech Talk Central. Good morning, this is Vicky Kolovo from Tech Talk Central. We started conducting interviews on e-health policies and strategies before the e-health forum in Athens, which was held during the 3rd and 4th of December. Um, we also had some interviews during the actual event, and we aim to continue the conversation all through the coming year when opportunity arises, since we do consider it a really interesting topic. So today with us we have Dr. Uh, Mr. Alexander Herbst, he's head of the Health Research and Innovation Unit for the University for Health Sciences in Austria. Welcome. Welcome, thank you. So I don't know if you had the chance to see, we had we interviewed uh, Dr. Clemens Auer, and uh, so we already have our first perspective from Austria. Quite interesting interview. So let's talk about interoperability. We've got the European interoperability framework, and what it, Europe is saying is we sort of have to use it to comply our national interoperability frameworks with it. Um, what's your opinion in general about Europe and why we need an interoperability framework? And if you can put some insight on Austria, that would be really great, and maybe even include, I know you have a... You, with your strategy, the new e-card, e-health card ha that has come out and a lot of things that really are putting Austria in the forefront. Yeah, um, I think the European interoperability framework is uh, actually a really good guideline uh, to uh, align different national concepts and, and more or less to provide a red threat for countries that want to move forward in creating uh, interoperable public services. But on the other side, I think that the framework by its nature only provides very general ideas. Mm -hmm. So what I have learned from my previous experiences is that many of the problems occur on a much earlier interoperability levels, such as semantic or technical interoperability or the, even the alignment of processes. Um, and these are often more difficult to solve as, as they frequently involve like extensive changes within the healthcare organizations. So that's also what I experienced from uh, uh, the situation in Austria. So if I take a look on the situation with us, I would say that we really already take a lot of the recommendations from that framework uh, uh, into account. Mm -hmm. But although, to, to my knowledge, it, it not has, it, no one has actually checked the, the compliance with the framework as we started much earlier. As you said, um, um, you had a talk with Mr. Auer, so mm -hmm. he probably introduced it. But um, I think um, we're, we're on a very good way in Austria with the electronic health record as uh, already um, a, a law was enacted. Mm -hmm. um, we have very good a very good starting point so um, but we also have like uh, um, initiatives on a, on a local basis on a province base there is for example one in my province that already um, is is dealing with uh, interoperability since uh, 2002 so I think there is very good uh, um, advances in Austria Mm -hmm. And uh, to sum it up, that the e European interoperability framework is really a good starting point for um, um, countries um, to align their initiatives. So, what do you think uh, would... I, 
what would make countries competitive? Because countries have to set up the whole system taking the patients in mind. But also they have to sort of think of the companies, the e-health companies within the borders and making them competitive. So it sort of has a twofold because we also have the digital single market strategy that is really interested in e-health and wants to make Europe competitive um, compared to the US and then there's the big markets of China and Africa and India. So a little bit about that. Do you have an opinion on that? Yeah, for sure. I, um, I would say that in general, it, but, but especially in the healthcare sector, it's, it's very crucial to adhere to certain standards and best practices. Uh, in order to be able to uh, be part of such an integrated digital market. So uh, companies actually need to really align their efforts with a clear strategy to support open standards and interoperability. And I think that is something that companies have to take into account, mm -hmm. which in the first place requires a cultural shift in, in many organizations towards the idea that there is integrated care and integrated information systems. So, uh, all I would say in general, all healthcare organizations, industries or states even have to recognize that times have changed and that there is no longer like one service, one product, but it's predominantly an orchestration of services, products from many stakeholders that really make up the final service. So, it is really crucial to have this new idea in companies and organizations and as well to align with uh, different standards. Because mm -hmm. uh, many companies still are uh, doing their own developments and have, let's say, their company intern standards. Mm -hmm. So, in order to be competitive, this is crucial. I yeah, I, exactly. I was going to ask you, what do you believe companies have as a competitive advantage uh, compared to companies across the Atlantic? Yeah, because I think that's a, a big opportunity for companies in, in, in or European companies as um, a lot of standardization has gone going on uh, in the European Union, also based on various European Union projects such as EPSOS. Mm -hmm. Yes. Or the uh, EHR for clinical uh, uh, research mm -hmm. project. Uh, but we have to actually make use of it. And we also have to be aware that there is also in those countries like, in, in, or the, uh, like China or that there are already uh, um, initiatives going on. So, for example, um, um, in uh, China, they mm -hmm. already enacted an electronic health record law. So if companies want to be successful, they have to take into account that in those countries that they are not desperately waiting for European companies to introduce ideas, but that their ideas, they want their ideas to be implemented. So they really have to get in touch with local companies and, and uh, organizations in order to establish contacts and to be able to shape the development of those systems in those countries in time. Otherwise, I think we will be overrun because there is really a movement in those countries such as China. Mm -hmm. This is really interesting because you're actually one of the first people that put in that factor, that knowledge, learning what they really need and then uh, delivering. Um, that's really interesting. So let's go a little bit um, to medical software certification, which is uh, it's a hot topic. I think it's yes. right at the beginning. We know that the European Union has um, issued a sort of code of conduct for uh, mobile applications. 
um, that's uh, on conversation right now. Uh, but do we need medical software certification or company assessment, in your opinion? <laughs> to answer that question right away, I would say definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that I really claim since many years, because we have to know that with the development and the distribution of more and more devices and, and especially software in healthcare, it is really crucial to, to really finally recognize that it's not enough to simply certify hardware, you know, like such as a scalpel or drugs. We, we really need a compulsory and far-reaching certification of software. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to clarify, thereby I don't only, you know, like refer to embedded software, but also to apps. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because, you know, and, and I really think if, if we talk about the implementation and enforcement of that, I think, you know, we, we do not have to reinvent the wheel. So, so I think it's a good strategy to have the European Union uh, think about those proce- processes. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, because we, you know, we, all, we, we just have to extend what is already existing for medical product certification. Mm-hmm. So if the EU issues a, a directive that uh, can then be implemented by the different member states, as it is with uh, medical product certification, I would say that this would be really uh, a good starting point. But it is a little bit difficult because one thing is that you don't have so many medical devices as you have apps going around. Yes. Any developer, young developer, any 15-year-old can create an, uh, an mHealth app right now. So that is a, quite daunting as to who will do the certification on one hand. Yes. Um, and on the other hand, then you've got all the different countries involved and it doesn't really make sense certifying something in one country and then have to having to recertify it in another country. Yes, but and then there's the layers, just you know, just to complete my question, it, yeah, there's yeah. the layering that you have the hardware and the software, and sometimes that is a little bit difficult because like testing if the data is properly encrypted when it's being sent out, it's not something we can really easily test out. So what's yes. your opinion on that? Yes, I think you're, you're completely right. It is a, a very difficult task to... to uh, um, get this certification going. But for me, you know, basically we have to make a difference between two things. There is all the apps, uh, like I call them like wellness apps or whatever, that, that um, and, and, and then there is like real medical apps. So I would say that we, ha- we, we have to focus, but, but if we do a, a certification and if we clearly mark certified products, Mm-hmm. And I think, and and inform inform the patient, the consumer about this. Then there is a choice, at least for for the consumer or for the physician or whoever, to decide what what to use. And and you know, and then you know if you don't have a certified app, for example, then you know the risk. Mm-hmm. But I also completely agree that there is a loose coupling of hardware and software mm-hmm. that we, we experience, you know, with like, let's say, real medical products, you know, we have like embedded software, there is like, we, we certify the whole system. And if we think about apps, there is the smartphone, and then there is the app. So we have, we, we indeed have a problem, but I think um, we have to start. Yes. I know this is not a simple task, but we have to start. And, and, and I think a good starting point is that we even start to certify um, 
medical software. Even many uh, clinical information systems are not certified because in, 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 in many countries uh, it depends on the intended use that is declared, if there is a need for any certification or not. Yes, so true. We need, we need more clear rules with regard to software and actually software is not really certified, you know, like, uh, um, and I'm talking about like normal client software. Yes, yes. Well, maybe, maybe just having a list of guidelines would actually be proved yes. useful because I doubt anybody, any developer can really find something like that online. So maybe even that, you know, somebody really cares and is interested in creating a safe application should be able to find guidelines and rules uh, de yes. uh, derived yes. by some uh, commission. You're, you're, you're completely right. And then there is one, one, one other point I want to uh, quickly <laughs> introduce is... Um, if we want companies uh, to certify, then we need some sort of uh, um, uh, um, benefit for them. Mm -hmm. So, as for example, you know, I don't say that we, we should do it the same, but maybe, you know, there's the meaningful use in the US uh, with regard to certification of electronic health records. Mm -hmm. And you see a lot of companies that certify their applications mm -hmm. because there is a benefit. And I think that should be the role. Uh, of, of the European Union also to think about how do we create benefit, a benefit for companies in order to certify their software. I think that makes absolute sense. It's just basic commercial laws. But yes. So it probably happened. So my last question involves your university. And uh, I know, it, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's a private university. So yes. I wanted you a little bit tell us about that. It's very, it's very niche because it has to do with health sciences. And also about what your unit is doing and what your research is focusing on. Okay. Yeah, we are a, a very, um, let's say, small university, but we are focused on um, healthcare. So we have nursing sciences, health informatics, public health, but also like uh, um, um, we do have management in healthcare. So uh, we're quite, we're as I said, we're quite small but we're uh, uh, we have a very good portfolio of of, um, of, of, of topics we deal with um, but uh, let's get get straight to my uh, group mm -hmm. what we what we actually uh, deal with is um, like new healthcare uh, or new architectures for healthcare information systems that is one topic that we're dealing with um, we are also dealing with, um, because it fits very well with the certification actually of uh, software, mm -hmm. because uh, in my research and in, in former uh, projects, we actually developed an approach for the certification of healthcare software. Mm -hmm. That's uh, interesting. So uh, it fits well and, 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 and also what an, an another field that we're involved in is which is more or less new, the uh, big data analysis, um, where we focus mainly on the uh, on, on on data from from uh, hospitals. Mm -hmm. I think you were recently actually at the meeting, December first at Stoa in uh, the European Union uh, meeting, and yes. you talked about challenges for deployment of e-health yes. in routine care. Right. Yes. Yes. Right. So I I think uh, how was that? Uh, 
we actually don't have any feedback other than what we heard from Twitter. So do you think it's, this is, this is quite interesting in our opinion that um, STOA actually um, pairs um, uh, MEPs with scientists and, uh, on different topics, not only yes. e-health. So what would you think was a good outcome from this meeting? Um, I think uh, um, a good outcome of this meeting was that uh, we already learned a lot uh, about challenges and that it's actually, we, we need to implement what we have learned. So <laughs> this is a very simple message, but a very important message. Um, and what we also learned is that um, we, really, we really need to work on... Um, on, on, on a European level, on aligning all the different strategies, all the different legislations in order to really um, allow a, a free flow of, of, of data and in order to allow um, interesting and, and, and useful systems. Yeah. And as a, a third point, I would say that um, it, it came out that it's very important to consider um, the benefit for the patient, for the companies, for all, in order to really um, 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 allow good development of, of systems and, and services. So, uh, but I can uh, uh, um, tell you that we are actually planning to um, publish a paper together with the European Parliament mm -hmm. where we would like to really publish all the results. So maybe this would be a good point Mm -hmm. That'll be to see what really came out. Okay, so thank you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Herbst, for being with us. Yeah, thank you. For um, the time. Okay, this is great. So this will be uploaded uh, very soon. Uh, this was Vicky Kolovu for Tech Talk Central. Goodbye for today. Bye. You're listening to Tech Talk Central.